Thank you so much for tuning in to Encounter AZ's podcast. We are believing that God is going to use this ministry to change your life. Now enjoy the message. You know, months ago I shared a story about a, a pastor who does a lot of traveling. You can have a seat for a minute. And, and he went to this airport in Georgia and he's, he's, he's from Montana. And in this airport, he, he had a layover of a few hours, and so he sat down in this Starbucks, and he studied and was, and was doing some different preparation for some sermons that he was going to preach. And, and then uh, he got home, and, and he talked to his dad later that day, who lived in another state. They never got to see each other. And he said, hey, what have you been up to? And his dad said, oh, I just got back. He said, where'd you come from? He said, oh, I came from Texas. I had a layover in, in Georgia before coming back here home. And he said, no way. You were, you were at the airport in Georgia yesterday? He said, yeah. And he said, so was I. And uh, so the man, he, he, the pastor, he asked his dad, well, what time were you there? And he says, well, I was actually there for five hours. I was, I was there from this time to this time. He said, I was in that airport at that same time. And he said, what were you doing? He said, oh, I didn't really have anything to do, so I just went and sat in this Starbucks in the back, and, and I just, you know, read and spent some time there. And, and he said, the Starbucks next to gate such and such? And he said, yeah. And he said, I was in that Starbucks at that same time. And this, and this really, really explains something to me, that you can be in the presence of your father but not even acknowledge it and not receive anything from your father. But there comes a time when you can get into your father's presence and acknowledge and say, God, I believe you're here. And I want to receive everything from you that I can this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we believe that there are people in this place, God, who need to experience the hope and the fullness, God, and the joy that belongs in your presence, Lord, and right now while we're here. If you, I want to have everybody bow your head and close your eyes. And if you're here and you need to experience God this morning, you need a miracle this morning, you need a touch from God, I want to see you raise up your hand right where you're at. And I'll be looking around. Father, you see these hands. God, we're acknowledging that you're here, Lord. We're also acknowledging that we are surrounded. We can do nothing without you this morning, God. And we just ask in the name of Jesus, would you come and would you touch everyone? Would you fill everyone to the brim? Every dry one, God, everyone in need of a miracle, of a healing this morning, Jesus, I thank you that you're here. I thank you that you're still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And one touch from you changes everything. For those on my right with their hands raised, God, who have a need this morning, God, touch them in Jesus' name. For those in the center right now, God, we believe there's miracle working power in the name of Jesus. And we pray right now in the name of Jesus, touch everyone, Lord, even the ones that didn't raise their hand, Lord where the Holy Spirit is speaking to their heart right now and saying it's time for a refreshing. Touch them in Jesus' name for the ones to my left, Lord Jesus. You know every need. You know you have every hair on our head numbered. And I'm just believing this morning, God, that every need in this place, with their hand raised or not, Lord, you know. And God, I'm praying right now, touch them in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you that we can call on you, that we can come boldly to your throne where life wants to preach at us and leave us hopeless. There is hope in the name of Jesus, and we will not be defeated. We win this. We've read the end of the book, and in the end, we win. We just believe the enemy is on his heels this morning, that he no longer has any authority or power over my life, over my family's life, over my situation and my circumstances. There's a perspective shift taking place. I'm going to see things differently. I want to see things the way you see them, God, where before I saw myself swallowed by a fish, but right now, God, I'm just seeing, wait a second, at least I'm not on the bottom of the ocean like Jonah, Lord. I believe that circumstances will no longer control the way I see you. God, I believe 
that you are gonna control the way I see my circumstances in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Hey, I wanna start a new series with you this morning. For about the next month, I wanna preach a series called Rumble Strip. Rumble Strip. I'm gonna explain what that means in a, in a little while. But why don't you, uh, the title of this sermon actually is Life is a Highway. Life is a Highway. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, I'm gonna ride it all night long. Now turn back to them and say, that was weird. Don't ever say that again. That was weird. Don't ever say that again. Just got weird. I don't know if you know this about me, but I love Disney. You may have heard this before. Um, I love Disney. I love Disney movies. And I could, I could blame it on the fact that I have two little girls, but honestly, I, it's not really because them. I liked it before them. And, I, and there's just something about it that I like. My little girls will come to me and say, Daddy, let's watch Pocahontas. And, and I'll say, it's not one of my favorites, but I'll say, let's do it. I've never heard a wolf cry to a blue corn moon. I, I'd like to. And so let's, let's watch it. And, and you have to love Disney. If you don't love Disney, um, I don't understand it. How can you not love it? How can you not respect a guy who rolls into L.A. from Kansas City on a train with $40 in his pocket and takes over the world? It's an awesome story about Walt Disney. Uh, and there's so much that goes along with him that you might have never heard. You might have never heard that he was fired from a newspaper for not being creative enough. Did you know that? He was fired for not being creative enough. Uh, I think they got that wrong. He, he uh, came up with this character called Mortimer the Rat, but nobody likes a rat. And so he changed it to Mickey Mouse. You may have heard of Mickey Mouse. And uh, he started this empire. His first feature-length film was a film called Snow White. You may have heard of that. And the original gross for this movie was $8 million, which to you, they're like, ooh, that's a bomb. No, at that time, that was the highest grossing movie of all time. Which, to give you a little context of when it, this happened, it was eventually dethroned by Gone with the Wind. That's how long ago Snow White uh, was in production. They, they made this awesome movie. Um, nobody thought it was going to go anywhere. And it, it became the highest grossing movie of all time. Today, it has grossed $184 million dollars. The Academy Awards, they recognized it, and instead of giving it one Oscar, they actually gave it one large Oscar and seven little Oscars. Isn't that cute? It's not the cutest thing ever. Um, but what amazes me the most about Walt Disney is when he hit it big with Snow White, he did something interesting. He took all that he made from this one project, and he immediately put it into another project. He said, let's take what happened in Snow White, and immediately let's make Bambi. I don't know why, I don't like that. But let's, let's, let's immediately roll what happened into something else. And, and I think there's spiritual application to that because I found in life that if you do not reinvest your miracles, you will reach the end of them. Sometimes God gives you something not to get it to you and just rest in that. He wants to get it through you and continue to pour into you like a river, constantly having things come to you to go through you. And if God can trust you like that, he continues to pour himself out in your life. You are blessed to bless it forward. Because something happens in life, just like your muscles. If you refuse to use your muscles and you lay in bed all day, you'll receive something called muscle atrophy. And you will no longer have the strength that you once had because, because of lack of use. The same thing happens in your faith if you don't use it. I've seen it happen so many times. A young person comes back from church camp. Oh man, they experience God. So many great things. And they go home and they change nothing about the way they respect their parents. They change nothing about the friends and the people they surround themselves with, the things they do in their day-to-day -day life. And you know what happens? Because of muscle atrophy or faith atrophy, 
they lose what was put in them and they go back to the way they used to be. I don't think God desires for us to uh, be like that at all. But continuing with my story, God, Walt, he took a small portion of what he made from Snow White and he actually did something very nice. He bought his parents a house. Uh, he, he grew up poor. They didn't really have much. And so he thought, you know what? When I, may, when I hit it big, I'm going to send for my mom and my dad. I want them to live near me. And he said, come move down to, the, to Hollywood and I'm going to buy you a house. He bought them a house. And shortly after they moved in, uh, his mom called the studio and said, Walt, I, there's a smell funny smell in the house. So Walt sent a few of the studio hands over to the house to check it out. They found out there was a small leak in the furnace. They thought they had it fixed. They went back and, and the next morning the maid came into uh, Walt's parents' house and found them both unresponsive in bed. The maid actually had to go outside and catch some breath before she passed out and then was able to drag them both out of the house. Uh, because of that event, unfortunately, Walt's mother passed away and his his father was hospitalized, but eventually recovered, and they died because of carbon monoxide poisoning because of a furnace leak. And I'm telling you this for a reason, because I realize there's a statistic today that 430 people in the U.S. still die every single year from carbon monoxide, which is silly because, uh, I don't know if you know this, because this was in 1939 when his parents, when his mom passed away. Uh, but in 1990, there was a carbon monoxide uh, tester that was invented. You can get it at Home Depot for $20. Have you heard of these? And what it makes an annoying beeping sound to let you know you're in danger. Um, and so it's tragic to me to, to hear that still today, 430 people would die uh, of something that is so preventable. And my point in all this is I want you to know this morning, the best kind of protection is early detection. And prevention is always preferable to a cure. See, sometimes in our faith, we, we get so caught up in things that we realize, now I need a cure. Now I need Jesus to come in and get me out of this mess I got myself in, rather than saying, Jesus, I want to listen to your voice to help me prevent getting into any messes. And so that's kind of the focus of this series, is that I believe God wants to speak to us to help us to walk this thing called life out without falling into any messes. Um, and I want to read from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14 through 21. This is the, these verses right here are going to be the focus of this series, and, uh, it's, and this whole series is going to be on Ephesians. I've, I've never, I was just talking to Pastor Josh this past week, I've never done an entire series just on one book, and I, so I'm going to try it. I feel like God has uh, given me some things that he wants me to share from Ephesians. It's one of my favorite books. And uh, it says in verse 4, this is why it is said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking with one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's good right there. I could stop right there. I mean, if you didn't get enough of worship, uh, that should fill you up right there, just reading from the Word of God. That's why I don't do drugs. I do scripture. It's just, it's better. Um, Paul wrote this letter to this church in this city called Ephesus. And you know it is Ephesians, but the city was called Ephesus, and he spent more time in Ephesus than anywhere else. 
And in that time, the city was a, a city known for something else besides uh, Christianity. It was actually a city known for having this huge temple to the goddess Diana, this false god that was worshipped in that day. If you went to Ephesus, you had to go to the temple of Diana. In fact, you had to go and you had to buy one of these little silver busts of the goddess Diana from these sellers. And that's how they made a living. They would wait outside the temple for visitors, for tourists, and they would sell them these little silver pieces in the image of the goddess Diana. And it's a very interesting story in history if you look into it um, because Paul came there and preached. And you know what happened? All of a sudden, they weren't selling as many of these silver busts anymore. You know, and I love this story because Paul actually put the enemy out of business. They came to him mad and said, we don't want you here anymore because now what we were selling before, these, Id- these little idols, now all of a sudden we can't sell them anymore. I think God has the same kind of vision for this city. Is there anybody else on the same page as me that God wants to bankrupt the enemy in this city? That people would come here and say, I don't, I don't like what you're doing at Encounter because now all of a sudden uh, we don't have as much need. All of a sudden the pharmaceutical companies come and say, you need to stop doing what you're doing in Mesa because all of a sudden we're not selling as many drugs as we were selling before. People don't need depression and anxiety medication anymore. What, stop doing what you're doing because God is setting them free. I want to bankrupt the enemy in this city. I want to see God do it. I think our vision sometimes is too small. We ask God for little things. I see in the scripture God changing the entire culture and putting the business of the enemy out of business in that city. And that's the business I want to be in. I want to see drug dealers show up on Sunday morning and say, what is happening here? Because I don't have any more clients. They stop coming to me because they say now they're full of the Holy Spirit or something else like that. And I want to see God do something like that in this time. Paul built his most... His, his greatest, his biggest, his most amazing church in Ephesus. If you look at history books, it'll show you that it was just this impressive church. And he stayed there and preached for a while. The entire culture changed, and then he had to leave and go to other places because that's what Paul did. He went and preached other places. And as the story goes on, Paul ended up in prison. Paul decided, you know what, I'm in prison, um, but he, you can't stop Paul. You can't hold him down. He kept writing letters to prisons or from prison. He's kept writing letters to all these churches. They ended up cutting his head off. Paul is gangster, okay? You can't stop Paul. He's like, you can strike me down. I'll be more powerful than you ever imagined, in the words of Obi-Wan. Where are my Star Wars haters at? Is there anybody here that doesn't like Star Wars? Do you even fear God? What is your problem? We need to pray for these people. But getting back to the scripture, Paul wrote Ephesians from prison. And I want to spend the next few weeks um, actually having our church live in Ephesians. Will you go there with me? Will you spend time? In fact, if you want to, you could read a chapter a day. Ephesians is only six chapters. That means by the end of this month, you could have read Ephesians through four times. Oh, if that's too much for you, uh, you know what you can even do? You can say, for the next month, I want to read five verses from Ephesians every day. And guess what? By the end of the month, you will make it through the book of Ephesians if you read five verses a day. So I want to ask you, uh, you don't have to. If you want to, that's, that's good on you. If you don't, then you're lost. But, but I want to ask you to live there with me and actually say, what does this book have to offer to change my life, Jesus? And, and spend time in it with me. I want to be focused mainly on these seven verses I read from the second section of Ephesians. I want to just give you a little background today, okay, and just tell you, kind of give you a big picture of what we're going to be talking about, but there's two sections in Ephesians. The first section is called the blessing section. 
This is where Paul basically lines out, I want to tell you how awesome it is to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to tell you all these awesome things that we're so blessed to know him. He keeps using these words like in Christ, seated in heavenly places, seated in Christ. He wants us to know where we are and where we stand. And when we receive Christ, this is what you receive. It's amazing. In fact, it's so amazing that you see the longest run-on sentence in the Bible in this section. Because Paul could not fit into one sentence how great God is in knowing him. Don't believe me? Watch me attempt to read this one sentence in one breath. This is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 14. And in your Bible, there may be periods, but in the original um, language, the original Greek this was written in, there were no periods. It says, hold on. I haven't been able to do this. I tried this morning. Okay. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as he chose in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, in which he has blessed us, the beloved in him. Couldn't do it. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth in him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we were first to hope in Christ might be the praise of his glory in him you also when you heard the word of truth the gospel and your salvation and believed in him you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit amen can I get who's the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory one sentence I told you one breath one breath that that's the first section how awesome it is to know Jesus. The second section is actually referred to as the behavior section. You know what I love about this? It kind of makes me think that sometime God knew that some people were going to come along who would say, if you behave, then God will bless you. So God put the blessing section saying, if you're seated in Christ, this is what you have. And then he put the behavior section, because you know why? When you receive from God and you know how blessed you are, you're going to behave as a result, not the other way around. That's why this is a house where we say you can become before you belong. I mean, you can belong before you become. This is a house where we know that, that God is doing something in you, and we believe that he's working all things together for his good. We believe that he's not going to stop until he's finished doing what he started in you. And so when we realize we are seated in Christ, our behavior begins to change as a natural result, not because we feel like we have to behave, not because we, we think God is like you tell your kids Santa is. Hey, don't do that. Santa's watching. If you do that, you're going to be on the naughty list and you're not getting any blessings this Christmas. Don't act like you never told your kids that. No, just me. My kids are going to need therapy. It's okay. Um, but you know what? The blessings come first. Paul wants us to know first, you are seated in Christ. You are in him. When God looks at you, he doesn't see your failures, your mistakes. He sees Christ. That's what grace is. He says, I don't see your mistakes because you are in Christ. Grace changes things. When you receive grace, your behavior becomes altered as a result of God changing your desires to match his. Because I realize how good is God that he forgave me and that he loves me. And now all I want to do is become more like him and to please him. That's my life. Not, I got to work my way to heaven. I got to do all these things right. And I got this formula, right, for how I'm going to get to God. And guess what? You are too far to ever get to God without the bridge of Jesus Christ making a way for you. That's why the blessing section comes before the behavior section. It's the blessings 
that change your behavior, not the behavior that gets you the blessings. That's the book of Ephesians right there in one sentence. You're welcome. Um, but this, these four messages, I believe, are like one message over the next four weeks. And the title of this message, you may be wondering at some point, is it going to explain why the title of this series is Rumble Strip? Well, here's the point. I want to throw up a picture for you. And uh, this is actually a rumble strip. I don't know if you, you probably have driven over these. They're kind of fun. When, like, your wife is sleeping on a trip and you want to scare her awake, you slowly veer to the right. And these things are both audible and tactile, which means you can hear them and you can feel them. You ever driven over these? And the only one purpose of these things is that so the road can send a message to the driver that you are heading in the wrong direction. In fact, the amount of people that have actually died from, from uh, falling asleep at the wheel has decreased significantly since the invention of the rumble strip. And so these things are amazing, and I, and I think there's some spiritual application to these things because the rumble strip does not change you. It just tells you you need to change. And I think if we understand that God has given us rumble strips, then when, when things happen in our lives and we begin to drift, we can actually hear from God, hear from the Holy Spirit, and correct the way we're heading. Rather than actually looking for a cure after we've made these mistakes, we can have prevention and actually listen to God and as he directs our path. Does that make sense? So why do we need rumble strips? There's three things that I have written down here if you're taking notes. The first one is because drifting happens. Drifting happens. We, we don't really walk anymore like Paul did. So in this series, we're relating it to driving because most of us in this place, if we're of the age of driving, we drive from time to time. And, and we don't like to walk. Our culture, we're just over walking. We literally, my wife and I, we have a community pool about 100 yards from our house. We drive there sometimes. It's too far. I don't want to walk. How many of you drive to your mailbox? If you have like those community mailboxes, you drive to the mail. You want to walk in. I, can't, I can barely see it from my house. We don't like to walk. Paul walked everywhere, but we hate to walk, don't we? Paul walked everywhere. How many of you, when you go to the grocery store, you, you have a cart, and then you walk all around the store, but then when you're done, you, you get to your car, you unload your groceries, and you refuse to walk one more step to put it in the stall where the grocery carts go? Is there anybody else? It's like, I'm not walking. That's too far. That's like eight spaces away. Um... How about this? How many of you will go to the gym and drive around the parking lot four times because you do not want to walk that far to the front door of the gym? I am not here to exercise. I'm here to walk on the treadmill, not walk to the gym. We make no sense, but we, we, we don't like walking. But I need you to know, in, in driving, drifting happens. Drifting happens, and, and it happens when? When you're not paying attention. It happens when you're drowsy. It happens when, maybe when you've fallen asleep at the wheel. Drifting happens when you text and drive. And it's probably saved your life a few times, some of you millennials. If, as you text and drive, you hit the rumble strip. Or maybe drifting happens when you're reaching in the back seat to discipline one of your kids and you're distracted. Anybody else ever done that? Ever tried to spank your kids while driving? It's dangerous, okay? Don't do it. But what happens is we get a wake-up call from the road when we start to drift. And I need you to know this morning, you get a wake-up call from the Scripture when you start to drift, if you're listening. And God wants us to listen to these wake-up calls. He wants us to understand these things. That's why the Scripture that we read said, Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. 
My question for you this morning is, are you drifting in your relationship with God? Are you drifting in your marriage? Are you drifting in your relationships with other people? Maybe you're drifting in your marriage and and you're saying, yeah, we drifted apart. And my answer to you would be, of course you are, because your hands are not on the wheel and you're sleeping at the wheel. We drift. Drifting happens. And I need you to know this morning before we move on that drifting never happens in the right direction. You never drift off the road on accident and end up in your garage. It just does not happen. You never get where you're wanting to go unless you're purposefully heading in that direction. Number two, driving takes work. Drifting happens on its own, but if you want to get to where you're heading, driving actually takes work. And, and it takes purposeful work, like we said. Progress takes paying attention. You have to pay attention in your career. You have to pay attention in your relationships. You have to take, pay attention in your relationship with God. It takes work. You know, I think a lot of times as Christians, we get to a place where we're enjoying our relationship with God. Oh, man, I feel so close to God right now. This is awesome. And then we stop and think we can stay in the same spot. You can never stay in the same spot with God. You're either drifting away from him or purposefully going after him. You can't get comfortable. It it takes work. And there are so many temptations in this world. It takes paying attention to stay on track because the drift gets worse and worse. I mean, so many Christians that don't even realize they've drifted so far from where they used to be. If we're honest in this place this morning, I bet if I asked for a show of hands of how many of you can think of a time in your life where you were actually more intimate with God than you are right now, I bet most of us, if we're honest, would raise our hands. Because drifting happens. It takes keeping your hands on the wheel. Because constant fine-tuning is needed to drive. I want you to ask yourself this morning, where is your life taking you? Where are you heading? Are you headed in the right direction? Or are you headed into oncoming traffic? Be honest with yourself this morning. Are you drifting? How many of you, like me, are crazy and you actually have allowed your children within the right context, in a neighborhood, in a parking lot, to sit on your lap and, and steer the car and feel like they're driving. Anybody else? Okay. I'm a terrible parent. I understand. Thank you for being honest. Can I tell you something? It is terrifying. You know why? Because my six-year-old does not understand that the wheel is important to, to keep and to track your progress with. She'll actually think it's fun to just go like this back and forth and just do stuff with the wheel. And in fact, she'll get bored and think, you know what, I'm going to see what happens if I turn really hard towards the curb. So what I have to do when I'm driving is I have to make sure and keep my hands on the wheel at all times to control. She thinks she's driving, but she's actually not. It takes me being purposeful to not head towards a curb. But some of you, your life honestly looks like a six-year-old driving. When you look at it and you see your choices and the things you're doing, you think, oh, I'm bored. Let's try this. And you jerk your life into the wrong direction on purpose. God, would you give us a rumble strip to say, no, no, that's going to lead to destruction. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is destruction. But we have to be aware of what God's trying to do. See, we get comfortable in a season, and and some of you are there this morning, but I believe that we need the Holy Spirit to reveal the rumble strip that's needed in your life this morning. The last point I have this morning about why we need a rumble strip, and by the way, it's a little warmer this morning in here because one of our ACs gave out, so we're getting it fixed this week, and so we have three over this building. It takes the third one to actually 
keep it at the low freezing temperature that we like it at. But thank you for bearing with me this morning. But the third one says you can't correct what you don't detect. You cannot correct what you don't detect. If you've learned to tune out the rumble strip of God, the Holy Spirit will leave you alone. And that's a scary place to be because I've been there in my own life and the, it will not correct your path, it just reveals it. But if you quiet the voice of the Holy Spirit trying to direct your path, he will leave you alone. He's not gonna force himself on you. And some of the things that you're allowing into your life and you don't even feel bad about does not mean that God is okay with them. It means you have quieted the rumble strip of God and think that my direction is okay and I've got this under control, God. But I'm telling you, if you will actually tune into the frequency of God, he will keep you from so much stuff that later on you're gonna say, I didn't think it was wrong, but now I find myself in a pit in destruction and God, I need you to give me a cure. No, God says, let me prevent it from ever happening if you'll listen to my voice. If you believe God is actually for you and not against you, then why, would not you, why wouldn't you want to listen to the voice of God? He's the creator. He's the blueprint that you can go back to and say, what am I made for? How am I supposed to live? How can you keep me from falling into the same traps that my parents did, that, that my friends did? God, we need the rumble strip. We need to hear from you. We need to be able to detect it, but you can't correct what you don't detect. You need a radar that says there's something in your life that needs fixed. There's something in your life that's not headed in the right direction. Can I get the worship team to come up and help me? The title of my message was Life is a Highway, but can I tell you, I, I lied. Life is not a highway. Life is two highways. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 says, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. Can I tell you this morning, you have a choice of what direction your life heads in, and you have a choice of whether or not you go to hell. Nobody can make you. And in the same token, you have a choice of whether or not you go to heaven. And the road is difficult, Scripture tells us, because we're all children of wrath. You're born that way. But I need you to know this morning that God gave you an off-ramp to heaven, and his name is Jesus. And you're driving down the highway of life. And some of you, like me, for years have been saying, I'll take the next exit. I'm just going to keep going. I'll get, the, I'll get the next one. And you pass exit by exit by of God, giving you opportunities to head your life into the right direction and to end up spending an eternity with him. And we continue to say, I'll take the next one. I'll take the next one. And right now you find yourself in a place in life. Uh, you're in a pit and in a hole and hopeless. And God said, you never would have been there if you would have listened to the rumble strip before. But I thank God that he has mercy and that even in the middle of my mess, he'll come in and he'll continue and he'll say, I still want to speak to you. I still want to get you back to your original destination. You know, God is like a GPS. If you make a wrong turn, you can at any time start to say, you know what, I'm going to respond to the voice again. And it'll say, make a U-turn, you dummy. Go back the other way and then make a left. And if you ever, any time you start to listen and respond to the voice of the GPS, you'll still get to your destination. In the same way, if you, if you listen to the voice of God and begin to respond to it, he'll still take you to your destiny. Your calling is still with you. You haven't lost it. He hasn't forgotten about you. He hasn't forgotten about the gifts that he put in you, and he wants to stir them up. But you got to begin to listen to the voice. we got to listen to the rumble strip of God. And some of you, it's like a frequency that you have lost in your heart. You know, having kids, it, 
It taught me a lot. It taught me that there's a frequency that moms hear that dads don't hear. There'd be, I remember when our girls were babies, I, I'd wake up in the morning and say, wow, I feel so good. They didn't even wake up last night. Whew, good night. And I'd look at her, she'd give me this dirty look with bags under her eyes, and she'd say, they got up three times. Slept right through it, didn't even hear it. And I think that's some of our lives. There's a frequency that we've tuned out that God says, I want to speak to you. I want to know you intimately. I didn't create you to live away from you. I created you for destiny to get you to a place, but you got to tune into the frequency of God. He wants to speak to you. If you have kids, you also know that there's a different frequency that you can hear in different types of cries that your kids have. And we'll have friends over or something, and one of my kids will start to cry, and my friend will look at me like, aren't you concerned? I'll say, nah, that's just the attention cry. That's nothing. But at, at any point, if there's actually a certain frequency of cry that comes out of that room, I'll tell you, mom and dad, something happens, and you'll bolt straight to your child because there's a difference in the way that they cry when they want attention or they cry when, they, when, they're, when they're making a big deal out of something that's not and the way they cry when they actually need help. And some of you need to get to that place of desperation with God Will you will release a cry that says, God, I'm not doing this for attention. I'm not doing this for any other reason. And I'm desperate, and I have no other choice but to call on my Father in heaven. And there's a frequency that he will respond to if you will reach out to God. He's listening and he cares about you. But some of you, you refuse to get desperate because of what it looks like. Because of what other people might think. I'm telling you, it does not matter what they think. You're the one who's headed in the wrong direction, who's brought yourself to a hopeless place that needs to say, God, I'm tired of not hearing your voice. Would you head me in the right direction? Would you speak to me again? I can't go on without you. I'm tired of worrying about what it looks like. I'm tired of worrying about all the steps to get to where you want me to get. I'm I'm afraid, but I trust you, and I'm desperate. If you'll lead me, I'll go wherever you lead me. God wants that kind of commitment from somebody this morning. The last thing I thought of when I was writing this is my kids know the frequency of their father's voice. I could walk into kids' church right now and they'd all be looking away, but if I said, hey, my kids would turn around and know my father is calling me. You know why? Because they spend time with me every day. Because they know the sound of my voice. Because they know I love them. And they've heard it so many times. And I need you to know that you can get into the frequency where you hear God's voice. And when he hears, when he calls, you'll hear him. It's not going to always be an audible voice. I've never personally heard an audible voice of God. Some people have. I have not. It's a leading of my heart that I'm sensitive to. That I say, is that you, God? Is this a bad choice that I'm about to make in my, in my job? Is this a bad choice I'm about to make with my kids? God, I want to hear you. I want to be sensitive to the frequency. And I believe God is saying to some of you this morning, if you'll tune in, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead because Christ wants to dwell in you. Will you raise up, will you stand up to your feet with me this morning? Father, we want to hear your voice. If you're comfortable, I want to ask you just to raise your hands up where you're sitting and just say, God, I want to hear your voice. I want to be sensitive to your spirit, Lord. When you call me, I want to know it's you, and I want to answer, Lord Jesus. Will you make me, will you train my ear to listen for the Father, just like a woman's ear is trained to listen for the cry of their child? Will you train my ear so that when the Holy Spirit calls, I can hear him, that I can hear your voice in the middle of all the noise? Some of you, 
have so much noise in your life right now that maybe you brought on yourself, maybe it's people you surrounded yourself with that it just feels like you can't hear anything. I want to encourage you right now, just say, God, I'm quieting every other thing in my heart. Just saying, Jesus, would you speak to me? God, in the middle of every storm, in every life in this place, I believe you have a word for them. As we worship right now, I just want to ask you to just lift up the name of Jesus and just say, God, I'm headed, I've been headed in the wrong direction, and if there's some correction that is needed, I'm listening. Train my ear to hear your voice. Will you worship with me for a minute? Father, we want to hear you speak. Lord, we don't want to just worship with words. We want to worship from our heart. I believe that you're going to speak to people through the words of this song. I believe you spoke to people through your word this morning. I believe you've been speaking to people through their family members, and they've been pushing it away, not realizing this is me, and I want to speak to you. Come on, worship him this morning. He wants to speak to your heart.